and wait and wait and baby I'm TFC till I die Hello and welcome back to Toronto Till I Die, the Toronto FC fan show. I'm Mike Newell and the end of the international break usually means a return to club football. Unfortunately for Toronto FC, it was a return to losing ways against an old friend at BMO Field Saturday night. On this week's show, we're going to recap Toronto FC's 2-1 loss to Vancouver. Talk all things Sebastian Javinko and the decision not to sign him and of course get into the burning question presented by next door probably a bit of a shorter show this week um but it's been a while since the three amigos have been on the show so i welcome back my co-host michael singh and jeffrey p nesker gents it's been a while how are we all doing i miss you boys J-Mo? man jmo well jmo <laughs> held it down man he held it down yeah he sure did sure did, did that but, answer uh, there's yeah yeah, man. How was uh, how was the weekend? Uh, you guys uh, were both. You went to get. I I was going to the game, and then uh, the Blue Jays and Red Sox decided to play a thirteen inning, four saw that four hour game, and I was stuck at the Rogers Center until the end of it. Um, but how did you did you guys get to go to it? Uh, I eventually I did see it on TV um, on the way home. No, I'll, I'll peel the curtain back a little bit, like at MLS. TFC isn't a big priority right now, <laughs> obviously. Don't think that's a big So difference. they've got me, while I'm still keeping my eye on TFC, if anything like noteworthy happens, we'll write about it. But other than that, I mean, they got me watching other teams, and specifically the one that I wrote about, unfortunately, this weekend was Vancouver. And yeah. how, you know, they're starting to emerge as potential threats here as the season winds down and they're rounding into form. I don't know if, if if you guys caught the context of this or caught the stream or any of the, the background, but Vancouver's amid a seven-game road stretch right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And half more than halfway through that road stretch, they've picked up three wins and one draw in four games. So yeah. they're a team that, at the start of that road stretch, they only had one win away from BC Place all season. So you want to talk about a team, like I said, that's just rounding into form at the perfect time. It's Vancouver, and yet they're still to unveil and debut, or I guess they unveiled them, but debut Jeff's boy over there, Junior Hoylet, who's just waiting on the bench. They had no Sam Adekube against Toronto FC. They had no Andres Kubas, who's their designated player midfield, uh, midfielder. They're, they're a team that's, that, like I said, just, yeah, they could be a threat here, and I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'll do better. I read your column, and and I I know you well enough to to feel the hate coursing through that <laughs> column. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, it's it's nice to have it confirmed because it definitely felt like some of those paragraphs were uh, being written through through gritted teeth. Uh, nice <laughs> night, honestly. Nice nice night at BMO, man. Like, I'm not sure how many more weather wise we're gonna get. You know. Uh, uh, Aside from the usual TTC tomfoolery, like now there are buses instead of streetcars and no one knows where they go. Uh, generally a, a great night. I have no idea who is playing at Budweiser. Morgan Waller. Yeah, was yeah, yeah. No country. idea who that is. Okay. Last um, night. Da, 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 yeah, there were a lot of cowboy boots on the 
on the train. Lots. Uh, no, still don't know. Still don't know. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> anywho. Uh, yeah. Good night. Generally, really great night. Tifos were amazing. You got you had that wonderful uh, MB4 Oso Tifo going on down at one. Yeah, seriously. You had the the Mister Three Hundred Tifo going on around me in one sixteen. Uh, you had that fantastic opening ceremony that you know hit you right in the feels for for uh oh captain our captain and then uh and then you had the game which was the worst part about the entire experience easily can i can i ask about that and just i don't know how much information you would have about it mike but what goes into um i guess putting together a tifo like that we've seen some pretty special tifos over the years but what what goes into putting together a tifo like that yeah so it wasn't a part of this one particularly but Mm -hmm. in general um like it, it does require like all the groups to to work together right in some capacity some more sometimes more than others but i think you know from a you know you have to plan that you need enough time to do it you need the material and the paint um that that costs a lot of money i think people realize like these things sort of go up and everybody's like you should have them every week well yeah these things cost thousands of dollars to make like they're not Mm -hmm. cheap and you're literally putting it up for like two minutes at the most and then it comes down right so um, then you got to store them and then you got to store them or toss them or whatever i or if you can recycle them and keep scraps and try to put them together for another one that sometimes gets recycled you know Mm -hmm. that's that's sort of the stuff that goes behind it and then the logistics of how do you put it up on rigging do you even put it up on rigging do you need have enough volunteers to pull it you know, do do you, I mean, do you, how are you placing it? Where are you placing it? You know, the way that they did Saturday's one, I actually really loved because of the fact that they use sort of a multiple section kind of setup for it, um, where the main uh, Tifa was in the middle and then you have the 300 uh, at the top of 116. Like, I think that is a great way to do it, especially if you can't always use uh, the rigging at BMO mm-hmm. Field, which has been a, a, an issue uh sort of behind the scenes over the last little bit mm-hmm. so a lot goes into putting those together not just from a um you know just not just from the on the day perspective but the days and sometimes the weeks leading up to the game right like you really have to put a lot of elbow grease into it yeah no seriously oh, yeah. That, i'm happy that you pointed that out i've seen some pictures i think 114 um I saw some pictures out of them. It seemed like they yeah. were a big part of this particular yeah. TIFO and putting that together. So I uh, applaud them and whoever else was a part of that because, you know, whenever you do see those TIFOs go up, especially an occasion like this, which I think warranted one of those, it, it does add to the overall atmosphere and overall night at BMO Field. I mean, you oh, think yeah. there's a couple of special ones, just, you know, the uh, the Greg Vanny one or uh, Josie Altador against Montreal and Forever in Our Shadow. That one stands out to me as well. They've mm-hmm. had some really good TIFOs uh, over the years in the sports section in general. They've had some really good uh, good TIFOs. So, yeah, it was a good way to, to start the evening, and I'm happy that Michael Bradley as well was commemorated on the night because that's – that's a milestone. That's a really, yep. really significant milestone. 300 appearances all time for Toronto FC. Of course, the only other one was the guy right beside him in that TIFO, Jonathan Azorio, who hit that milestone. So I don't know how many more Mr. 300s we're, we're going to get at to Toronto say. FC. Hmm. I was about to hmm. say. Because it's going to be the, I mean, who would be the next even remotely closest? 
I mean, at this point, right now, <laughs> the closest hmm. one's probably Victor Vasquez. I no, I would say a goalkeeper, maybe Alex Bono. I would, I would almost well, no, but like that's Bono's still on the, the club. Yeah, it's still at the club. Oh, it's still like, in the club. Oh, I oh, guess yeah, 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 it would be Victor Vasquez. I don't even know if he's he hit hundred yet. I have to actually take a look. I haven't checked. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, I guess I don't think yeah, I guess 100. he would be the closest. Um, yeah, it's going to be a while before we see another three hundred, help two hundred. Uh, you know, right? Like the way that they're churning through players at the moment. Um, and maybe let's just jump into the game a little bit because we'll talk about some mm-hmm. of those players. Uh, a two-one loss for Toronto FC against Vancouver. And look, you know, I kind of broke us down today in terms of positives and negatives because I do think there were positives in this game. So I think we should start with that and then we'll get into, obviously, the stuff that kind of went wrong in the second half. But, you know, first of all, welcome back, Richie Larea, um, a player that, you know, arguably could have been closer to that 300 mark had he stayed, but um, obviously not. And now on Vancouver I hate side. how he was the first player to go through my mind when you asked that question. I'm like, uh, yep, I, I had to bite a tongue. <laughs> I had to bite my tongue too. First, because he would have first, been the first. I, I spooled up uh, FIFA 24 this weekend. And like it refused to take Richie Larea off the team. Like I kept subbing Kobe <laughs> Franklin in, and I would come back and he'd be there. There was like a ghost in the machine. Like FIFA did not want Richie Larea to not be playing right back for for Digital TFC. It was weird. It was really really weird. <laughs> yeah. Well, welcome back. Um, was Richie Larea? You know, like he he did all the things that you would expect Richie Larea to do. Uh, was dancing on on touch lines, beating guys uh, to the to the line, and generally was dangerous throughout the match. And I only say that as mm-hmm. positive because, of course, I think he got a great reception coming back to TFC. Like, obviously, not a ton of boos and stuff like that. I know a lot of people were talking that about that beforehand. There were there I, were some boo birds, Mikey. There were, some, there were yeah, there were yeah, 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 there were. I would imagine. And Jeff, you were in the stand, so like, what did sort of what did you kind of experience um, when they kind of called out Richie Larea's name? And obviously, well, I, um, I mean, I was. I, I wanted to make sure my voice was heard, so I drowned out a whole lot of boo birds, kind of on purpose. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, I was looking around, you know. I, I, I'm of the mind, uh, you know. Listen, my favorite player of all time spent a lot of his illustrious career in the same league at one of my least favorite clubs of all time. That happens a lot when you support Arsenal, so you got to have a, a sort of lower margin for. Uh, for you know the so-called turncoats of the world but um yeah i i uh you know i caught a few people uh uh you know uh, with the thumbs down or even more lewd gestures but uh it's nice it. i i i get it i kept looking yeah. for for a number 20 out there it took me a long while to realize that he's wearing number seven for the vancouver white caps and uh just to go off topic for a second a lot of caps fans did not like his performance in that game they still think he's quite disjointed from the team um, you know, does that come from his more advanced role in, in, in three, five, two that Vancouver's playing or, or the fact that, you know, he's not playing with, uh, Sam Bay on the, on the wing yet, uh, regularly, who knows, but uh, I just thought it was an interesting nugget. I'd agree with that. Uh, I, I thought there were times he tried to do too much. And I think that just naturally happens when you're playing against people that, you know, and maybe people that you've burned at times in training, like if Larichi Larea sees, Lorenzo Insigne coming down to help and Richie's like yeah, I've seen how many times you've tried to pressure not pass to me yeah 
and like do this like <laughs> fake pressure thing where you start going towards someone and then kind of D-line elsewhere. So, and I, but I also think on the, the counterpart to that is that Toronto FC players were particularly up to making sure Richie Larea doesn't hurt them. Uh, there were a couple of times where he came close. But yeah. mm-hmm. for the most part, they they held him at bay. I mean, Richie did what Richie does best. He drew a ton of fouls that game. Um, I don't know if that was just the fact of Richie Larea playing his regular game because, as we know, he's leading Major League Soccer in fouls drawn. Um, or was it more so that Toronto FC were going to make sure that this guy, out of anybody on the pitch, doesn't doesn't beat us? and make it mm-hmm. a little bit hard on him. So, yeah, I didn't think it was his best game whatsoever. And I kept on thinking to myself throughout the game, I'm like, is this is this guy worth a DP spot? That was kind of my, the way, the mm-hmm. lens, that the like, that was my lens throughout the game. And it was a resounding no yep. from that performance. Yeah, but I've seen Richie Larea a lot. Um, and I've, I know he's not quite at his best just yet with Vancouver. I mean, look, the first half of the season, he was Toronto FC's best player. And there are some DPs on the squad that are, you know, they should be DPs. And if Richie Larea was out playing them, and if he could refine that form of Vancouver for a team, again, with a smaller budget and, and some ambition mm-hmm. to really bring in some national team players and build around them ahead of 2026, uh, he's the perfect fit. So I, I think it's just a matter of time before he gets going. And yeah, go ahead, Jeff. I don't know about perfect fit. I think, um, you know, his game bombing down the flanks in a 4-3-3 as an attacking fullback kind of nullified by playing, you know, as a as a central or as a as a wide midfielder in a 3-5-2. He does it for Canada. It's a different, it's a different skill set. Um, I don't, I, I think it's unfair to expect him to be the same player in that skill set. Certainly, I'd love to be wrong about that, but... Uh, I, you know, he's just so damn uh, uh, utility. He's got so much utility that like he should shine anywhere. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, and let's, let's just bring this in because obviously we're talking a lot about Richie Larea, both for the Whitecaps and for uh, the national team. And I have this a little further down in the order, but let's bring it up because we're talking a little bit about the person that has now replaced him at TFC as a right back who had, again, another mm. solid game in Kobe Franklin. And it was interesting, uh, Terry Dunfield with some comments saying that he could be pushing Richie Larea uh, for a spot on the 2026 men's national team roster want to get your guys sort of thoughts on that i mean it's really early days look kobe yeah, has a handful that's of senior my appearances so far mm-hmm. but wanted to get your thoughts he's played so well it being thrust into a role maybe a little earlier than they may have anticipated i don't think it's that far-fetched um mm-hmm. but it's 2023 so you're talking about we're kind of near the end season. of 2023 in terms of playing. Like, they're not making the playoffs. Yeah. Right? yeah. So, yeah. so you're talking about the two and a half more seasons. Um, on the roster, no. For a potential, you know, spot on the depth chart, I could see it. Um, do I do believe it'll happen? Probably not. Richie Larea is still, what, 28 years old? Mm-hmm. So it's not like Richie Larea is getting... Gonna, he's going to be like 30, 31 at that time, which is not past your prime i don't yeah, think as prime. a as a footballer especially a guy like richie larry who takes care of his body so incredibly well yeah. um so for me it's tough to see but what i'm thinking about during that hearing that comment and this is no disrespect to kobe because like i said i could totally see it and he's played outstanding 
what what about Jaquil? Like what what happened to <laughs> Jaquil? And I was I was thinking the same thing. Well, it did like he, he was, came on in this game, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. at right back. Yeah. And he was the guy who was a shoo-in uh, to be on this 2026 national team roster and to be a guy that's Canada's future right wing back, right back. But I think it speaks to, well, A, how unfortunately things just haven't gone smoothly for Jaquil and his development so far. Uh, I'll remind mm-hmm. you, he's still super young and, you know, in two and a half years could change a ton and he's still growing and his development is just, I think, just different than maybe a guy like, you know, Kobe Franklin's or maybe some of what we all expected Jaquil to be. He's still, in my mm-hmm. opinion, going to be an unbelievable footballer, but things just haven't quite clicked for him. But it also speaks to what really is his best position. Like, I still don't know. Can I, I'll ask this. This is not necessarily on the run sheet, but I, I will ask because we're kind of here and it is an interesting point. Is Jaquil at the right club right now? Like, is he Absolutely at the right not. club to and, and to develop nope. to what he needs to be? You're asking about, is he playing the right position? Well, is he at the right club to essentially try to figure out what his right position is? Like, I, nope. I, I ask that only because I agree, Mike. I think something has gone a little bit wrong. Again, he is young and he's still sort of figuring out, like, how to be a professional his body is still developing and growing as a as a you know as a teenager right um going into being a young adult so just but i just wonder is he at the right place to actually sort of see out that potential or does he maybe need to go somewhere else where they'll give him consistent minutes at a position that is probably best suited for him before I answer that, what is it's a good question. What is his best position? What's the position that's suited for him? Uh, ideally, based on what I've seen, it's on the right side as a like as a winger, as a forward, or as a right sided midfielder, right? Like I, I I think that's his best position, or at least the okay, maybe not best position, maybe the position he's right now most comfortable in, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. I think yeah, I agree. I I think it's more so like a right wing back where he's playing not necessarily in a four, but a five. And mm. there is a little bit extra cover there behind mm. him because he's not quite there defensively, obviously, yet. And he's still, like I said, growing. And, you know, that's a position he just started learning last year, at least, you know, specifically from the defensive side of things. But he reads the game so well. And the other side of the flip side to that is I really haven't seen much in the final third from Jaquil yet, which is which is a little bit eyebrow-raising at this point because we saw so much from him in that department uh, coming mm-hmm. through the TFC's academy ranks. But it's a different game, different pace of play. And like I said, he's, what, just 18, 19 years old still. Yeah. So still a ton of time in front of him. Um, is he at the right club? We'll see now at this point because I think the club that was and the club that's going to come is going to be two different things. I think, with, especially with Jason Hernandez at as general manager, John Herman coming in, who we know is very keen on Canadian players. Terry Dunfield is still going to be on the staff. We know just how much Terry Dunfield has had a hand in TFC's academy and how much he's had a hand in, yeah. in a lot of these kids coming through the the, the ranks, including uh, Jaquil. So yeah. I, is he at the right club at this point? I, I, I think moving forward, I, I hope so at least. Um, in the past, absolutely not. I don't think he was yeah. treated... Uh, 
in the best way possible. I don't think they've developed him in the best way possible. And obviously you have a huge injury setback, which really did, you know, mess with him a little bit here and did affect his trajectory a little bit. But I think there is still, uh, there's still more to come. And I think it will be at Toronto FC. Yeah. And it's interesting because obviously mm-hmm. you have Jaquiel, um in the development path, but then you have Kobe who's sort of not a little bit older, fair enough, but, you know, developed in a way that now he is a reliable senior team starter. You're basically penciling in that right back every week. So it's just interesting to see how that dynamic goes in terms of development. Sometimes it's on the player, sometimes it's on the club. Um, But it's interesting to see the two paths and see how these guys are developing at this point in their career. Um, Although it being very, very young, Jeff, sorry, I know you want to go. Well, I mean, I've been waiting. Thank you for the excuse to get this in. But speaking as someone who only today read the first three chapters of Inverting the Pyramid and is now an expert. Oh, you're on that frame. um, Yeah, no, I would say this. Listen, um, if if it was up to me, I would give JMR room to recapture his attacking noose and take away defensive responsibilities. Because the simplest, Occam's razor, the simplest explanation for this is that we're overloading the kid it's just at a too high a level he's got to get something back we've seen his attacking spark in the past stop complicating matters for the kid put him up front let him get comfortable let him find his game there and then if you want to start piling on the defensive responsibilities but i think that's been our big problem with this is that nobody's recognized because when you lay it out it just seems so simple like i don't you know i don't want to say my arrogant supposition is the truth but i mean at a certain point the simplest path you know the straightest line is the is the easiest route and let's be honest too as soon as we trade him to nashville as andre is saying he's yeah blow yeah off. exactly <laughs> he needs to go to nashville uh, he needs to go to nashville it's simple joke will it's never simple. die yeah 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 absolutely. um just moving back so you thought the second half was better than the first is that uh, no, other way around. So let, let's sort of just talk about it. I think, you know... Because I disagree. Half, I thought the first half was... Ah! Like, they were they were everywhere. We were I, losing I, every battle. I, I thought the first half was actually decent for TFC in a sense that, look, they still were giving the ball away a ton, and that's definitely in like, the negatives <sighs> column. Uh, yeah, yeah. That they, they did give us some, some sloppy turnovers away. But when they did connect... I thought the connections were really good. I thought there was some, there was, you could see again, the, the, where they're wanting to go here with some of this, whether you agree on it or not on, on sort of how that goes. Mm-hmm. I, I get that for sure. But I thought there was some positive in terms of attacking play uh, in the first half. Now, obviously it doesn't result in the goals. A lot of times those attacks got literally just stalled because of bad turnovers um, in the end. And definitely that final third, I think is an issue uh, for TFC. Um, but that said, I, I thought that the first half, and again, cheers. the bar is low. The, the, <laughs> cheers to you too. The bar is low. Mm-hmm. So let's just call that what it is. But I thought it was actually an okay first half. I, I, I mean, love to get your guys' thoughts on that. Completely disagree. I, I mean, I, I saw them losing every battle. Um, I'm going to say it because I'll forget otherwise. Like, Thomas Romeo gives me hives, man. Like what, why, like, do we need to put Velcro on his gloves? Like I agree. I'm glad that the team has realized that he's like a, a rebound machine and have stopped giving up on plays so that we aren't getting just 
giving away like soft finishes to like the first guy, the hungriest guy for the ball. But um, that's a huge concern, huge concern. Uh, You know, it it was a cagey first half, but I just, I felt like we had no answer for that three, five, two. We had no, no answer. Um, And they were kind of toying with us. I, I don't know if you agree, but that's just how I felt on the ground. Yeah, the the flanks are getting exposed decently. Um, I I think I agree with Mike. I think overall the first half was probably a closer game. And then when TFC went ahead, which, by the way, a a great goal. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, It's on the notes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just quickly, like, great ball by Lorenzo Insigne, obviously. Waited perfectly Mm -hmm. first time. That's why... You bought the guy, and for moments like that, and we got to give credit to the run because, as we know, the the run determines the pass. If DeAndre Kerr isn't making that run, isn't timing the run the way that he does, there's no ball to be played there. Um, yeah. So yep. DeAndre Kerr does well to to make the run there, and then I got to give DeAndre Kerr some credit for that finish as well. Yeah. Great um, finish, pre- pressure on his back. Whenever that happens, um, you always wonder like. Is, is he going to get caught? Is he going to be under too much pressure? Are they going to nudge him a little bit? And what he does so good and sorry, so well during that goal is he cuts across the body of the defender. And yep, when your yep. defender is tracking back, it's one on one as a striker. That's you cut across Josie. the defender. That's probably yeah, exactly. Josie did that all the 100%. time. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a good Let their own inertia Josie. work against them. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. yeah. So you cut off that angle for the defender and he absorbs the contact and he's still will or able to have the composure to to slot that home. And uh, that, that, that's, that's a number nine's finish. That's all I yes, can really say mm-hmm. about That's a number mm-hmm. nine's finish. Yes, so DeAndre Kerr, uh, very big positive there after that though things quickly unraveled and i think the rest of the game while tfc you know we're still in it it really didn't feel like they were in it even though the game was just 2-1 if that makes sense no it does because if you look at the statistics of that game like although we dominate possession almost at 60 percent or like 58 percent around that all the major stats in terms of shots shots on goal I think we created more chances, but I think the XG battle went to Vancouver. All of those stats tell you Vancouver really kind of took control of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, I think it's this continuing thing we've talked about all year. It's not a new theme that TFC have these spurts and just aren't able to take that momentum and really carry it through a game. I mean, really, the Philadelphia game was the one time this season where you really felt like they took some momentum and just ran with it all game. Mm-hmm. So they've done it once realistically this season. Maybe you can go yeah. back to the Miami game, but even that, even then, as I remember, Miami had a really good shots to probably win that game. But like in the end of the day, you know, you get these spurts, you aren't able to really sustain them. And then, you know, you got to take your hat off to Ryan Gold, who is an MVP um in the mvp running i mean he won't win it unlikely but i mean mm-hmm. he ended up a really after the goal especially just took kind of took the game by the scruff of the shoulders and that's something that tfc yep. just don't have they don't have a player who can do that mm-hmm. it's yeah. it's so interesting i mean uh i guess i'll bring i mean tfc haven't won two in a row since last august that's that's yeah. accurate that's valid um you know every time you think you've seen the worst tfc stat <laughs> and as the sun rises and another one comes out of the woodwork and you're like, 
Yikes. Um, you know, I'm just going to say it. Like, this Vanny ball, 3-5-2, doesn't it remind you of, of – oh, sorry, Vanny Sartini. Oh, that's really good. Doesn't Vanny ball 2023 remind you of Vanny ball 2017? Doesn't his 3-5-2 do all the things that ours used to do? I mean, that 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 gold to white pass, MB4, brain fart notwithstanding. I mean, that felt like vintage Seba, Josie kind of interplay to me. You know yeah, that one mean? did. That one did. Yeah, like those two up front with like He didn't even the... look. Yeah. He didn't even look. He knew he knew Brian yeah. was making that run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I've missed two up front. I, you know, because maybe it's just a consequence like Florence Nightingale syndrome from seeing whatever number nine we put up top just on an island dying like for 90, 90 plus minutes every weekend plus a few weekday games but like it was so nice to see a proper duo up top just cook i really 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 enjoyed that and and i know we're gonna get to seba but it was funny just how much that reminded me that performance reminded me of well, our own diminutive number 10 they're missing they're missing uh like brian gold's a good hybrid between a playmaker and a goal scorer himself obviously we've I think we've all seen him working class designated player because he does all the mm-hmm. dirty work and all the hard work. We saw him pressure a lot. They're missing a guy like Victor Vasquez in that team uh, that could really, you know, pull some strings there. Maybe <laughs> Junior Hoylet is yeah, there. Yeah, I can't think of a better. I can't think of a better. There. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, they're, I got to admit, man, they're, uh, they're a fun and exciting team. And especially with their core of Canadian talent. And you add in Brian White rounding into form and Ryan Gold as well, right behind him. Like it's a great thing they got rid of Sergio Cordova because now Brian White yep. knows he's the guy up top and he's mm-hmm. been just an incredible acquisition. Just I think five hundred and fifty thousand in, in allocation money it costs from the Red Bulls a few seasons back. And now he's looking like a million dollar player. Um so mm-hmm. that's a that's a good piece of business right there for for Vancouver. And yeah. Um a little so envious. It's like they point. were. It's like they yeah. were 2016 TFC until this this transfer window, and then re-upped and became 2017 TFC. Like well, I, I expect them to go on a decent run in the playoffs. Yeah, well, look, they're third in the West, and you know you kind of have the you got to take your hat off to Axel Axel Schuster and in the, in, the, in the way that they have gone about systematically building the team, and this is the it's stuff so that different. We, well, we, it's the mm-hmm. stuff we've been talking about all year, Mike, right? Like this idea of like you build the cart first, then you go get the horses, then you build, right? And yeah, that's then you what go they're get doing the horse, right yeah. now. Mm-hmm. Um, now they're lucky. They got Ryan Gold kind of early in the process. But still, like in terms of going out and getting a Lorea, a Hoylet, a Atacube, mm-hmm. now you're starting to add pieces that could really make you a cup contender. And that's yep, where TFC yep. needs to get to at some point. Now, if it happens this offseason or next offseason, we'll see. But if you want to kind of look at a way that a team in MLS is building its roster and successfully doing it and managing their cap and not being in cap hell every year, mm-hmm. look at the Vancouver Whitecaps. The, you know, as much as you want to say that. I think we'd ever be team. saying that. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Faith, faith in Sartini. You know, like like giving him giving him the space to work without you know knee jerk uh, sackings. Um, damn, I lost my uh, I completely lost my. Point well, no, I know where you're going, right? Like the, the idea yeah. of just like giving him the opportunity to, like you said, like give them the time to cook, give them the, believe in the plans, have a plan, 
right? Then, mm -hmm. you know, execute and stick with that plan. That's what Vancouver is for the most part done, right? And yeah, okay, there's some misses here and there in terms of signing, like Cordova, uh, like you mentioned, is a miss. But at the same time, you know, you you have definitely gone through the MLS market to find a guy like a Tristan Blackman, who I can't believe LAFC just let go like that. Right, like, he was superfluous, and his form was dipping like crazy too for yeah, them. Like, like uh, but yeah. fair enough. But I mean, like you look at the end of the day, like you end up picking him up for for off the kind of the MLS kind of reentry draft mm -hmm. free agent scrap heap. You know, you you find a Brian White who, for some reason, the Red Bulls were willing to let go. Right, you you find these pieces that are MLS pieces, and but can make big differences, like like a Ryan Raposo, like. Ryan mm -hmm. Raposo's in your in TFC's backyard. He's just from Hamilton, right? Like you know, like yep. he's and he almost scored on Saturday night. Hit one right off the crossbar, right? Yeah. So I'm not saying that these guys yeah. are definitely going to be the guys who are going to completely transform your roster, but they're glue guys that you need in a team. And right now, TFC just don't have enough glue guys. No, really. they sounds like they sound like the Marky Delgados, the Stephen Betashores, the the illustrious. Uh, uh, I'm not even going to the illustrious servants to TFC during their heyday. Um, I remembered what I was going to say, and that is to further the Seba comparisons, Ryan Gold's courtship, very similar to Seba's courtship. Ryan Gold's uh, uh, attitude about continuing to play in Europe, his search for minutes with his team at the time, very, very similar. The fact that, you know, they're putting the Portuguese speaking players as Ryan Gold's roommate so he can keep his language skills up. Hmm. Reminds me of a certain diminutive Italian uh, with certain members of the team that, that spoke Italian at the time. The, the, you know, it, as much as we like to say the league has changed, it seems the best way to recruit your DPs is to go for those, those sad sack cases that have a bit of a chip on their shoulder because their European careers, they've, 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 they're baked enough that they're tactically astute and they can come in here and be the guy because they wanted it so badly in their last port of call that we mm -hmm. offer them the ability to do it. It's just, it's just, uh, it, it's food for thought, but it, it's fascinating to me how, how much they, they're similar. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that, that's a good point. That's one thing just wrapped up. Let's just want to reel mm -hmm. it back a little bit. <laughs> Vancouver having the best season in their franchise's history. And I tip my hat off to them. Mm -hmm. I just want to, I just want to reiterate, I know you guys know this, but they're nowhere close to 2017 TFC as much as we are drawing parallels. Come on, different level, different universe. We're talking about the only team to ever win the treble. Let's, let's not forget that. No, no, no. I don't yeah, think I'm yeah. saying that they're 2017 TFC. I'm just saying like as a, as a way to build a, a blueprint to how to build a roster before you start getting all the big guns into your team, mm -hmm. right? Like that's, that's a way you can go about it in this today's MLS. I think sometimes we get stuck in 2017 too much. Um, mm. Elbow was a great time. but I love the time. It was there. It was awesome. Drank all the champagne. It was great. We got to start thinking in 2023 MLS because that, that the way that, that things were done in 2017, not the same anymore. Yep. Um, and, and I think yep. that that's sort of something that Jason Hernandez is going to be charged with um in this offseason um let's quickly get into the tfc's next game it is against miami in miami uh so messy, messy are we messy, clearly messy just not going to talk about michael bradley on the second goal because i am all for not discussing it at all 
Uh, well, look, in the end of the day, um, yeah, and that is audio cut, is audio cut, so it'll be back. Mm. Um, but eh, Michael Bradley playing center back. I mean, we kind of know what this story is, right? Like, you yeah. know, the, he is yeah. great at some things at center back in terms of having the ball to feed and being able to distribute. But there are but glaring deficiencies in the air. That's not mm-hmm. his, that's not his game. Not uh, his bag. No, it's not his bag. And he lost the run of Brian White. Um, and Ryan Gold, as Mike said, whipped that ball mm-hmm. in, not looking, knowing exactly what was going to happen. So, yep. I mean, he goofed, uh, obviously, clearly, but yep, he, was cl- he was clearly ball watching and lost my and lost sorry, uh, Brian Wright's run in behind. Yep, yep, absolutely. Yeah. All right, uh, enough said on that one, I think. Yeah, I think so. And look, again, like I said, TFC go to Miami have to play uh Miami in Miami uh so and Messi and Jordi Alba were rested in this weekend's game against Atlanta now they did lose 5-2 to Atlanta um so mm-hmm. one of the big things about Miami is look you can get at them defensively right like you can if you cannot turn the ball over a ton sorry and, I had to it was so yeah, weird no worries. Mm-hmm. like that you know mm-hmm. if you don't turn over the ball at a ton if you're able to you know string passes together and, and actually can play a little bit of uh, offensive football you can score against this Miami team it's not impossible obviously mm-hmm. the big thing is you know when you don't have the ball uh figure out where Messi is and really actually figure out where Leo Campagna is um they're striking yeah, right he's now scorching. he's absolutely on fire um, yeah, so from yeah. that perspective, I think that those are the big notes going into this Miami game. They have, of course, Lepfragas in the Eastern Conference and are now um, second last. So we are bottom of the table. Um, but mm-hmm. I mean, if they put together a couple more wins, uh, they could even vault themselves up further. I'm not sure if they're really, I, they may be too far back realistically for playoffs because they have lost a couple of league games since they won um, the League's Cup. Nah. Nah. Yeah, it might be tough, but yeah. they have to rest. Like they're resting Messi ahead of, um, uh, you know, yeah, they're playing the U.S. Open Cup. That's kind of what their focus is right now. Anyway, There's but... a, this is a team of destiny. If I've ever seen one before, I think since he wins the Shield, uh, fans are going to do backflips 100. Uh, percent But uh, you know, I don't think it's a question anymore of if uh, Inter Barcelona, Miami, uh, FC are, are making the playoffs because they are. Uh, you think they they're making are. the playoffs? Oh yeah, they are. Uh, do I think they're winning MLS Cup? Eh, probably not. Uh, I'm just gonna readjust here because I hate it. There we go. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't think so. But I think they're making the playoffs. I think. Uh, I think that ship has sailed. Um, can we just uh, talk about all the fun Schadenfreude of the people that paid so much money to see Messi at uh, at uh, Mercedes Benz and and then and then posted to every social media that's ever the risk of professional uh, sports tickets. that's the it ain't it ain't a broadway show ladies and gentlemen there's no guarantee you're not you're not going to see uh the messy tour um i thought it was i thought it was fantastic and um i don't even think they're gonna play him for for our game for us i mean why oh, would I you they're playing him. oh I think no why playing. would you why would you we are the worst why would you play him i don't think he starts his home game victor vasquez says he thinks they're gonna play him. They're gonna play him. They rest. Well, then they weekend. should play Victor Vasquez, so we can see the La Masia reunion <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that I God. want to. Oh my God! If they don't play Victor Vasquez, I think I'm done with this team. Actually, I'm putting that out there into the universe, <laughs> and not just ten garbage minutes. I want a proper VV versus LM 
duel. I want well, to see it and hugs. If if it was every if all everything was equal, let let's mm. not kid ourselves. This would be absolutely the game that they'd be resting Messi. However, the only reason why he didn't play over the weekend was because. Well, A, he's coming off a long stretch of games, and I think he was a little banged up even when he went on international yeah, was an duty with Argentina. Concern, yeah. um, mm-hmm. And then coming back to Atlanta, you're playing on turf, right? That's the biggest, I think, reason. So if everything was equal, this would be a rest game for Lionel Messi because TFC are kind of at that point right now. They're coming off a you know, Saturday game. They're playing again midweek, so... That's that's kind of where things stand heading into this one. I mean, I'm not optimistic at all about TFC's nope. chances. No, 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 I'm not no, no. Zero. optimistic at no, all. Absolutely so, zero. Well, I was saying, Mike, was like, look, if they can string some passes together, you can get at this Miami defense. Like, you can. The The issue is you got to be able to string passes together without giving it away. I'm not sure TFC are quite there yet. Yeah, I mean, Miami has... I love this comment, game. Alex. I love it. <laughs> VVLM will be the best duel over the least kilometers in MLS. <laughs> Bring it. Bring it. Let them just do cool tricks like they're warming up like Maradona in the in the World Cup. And just stand in the center of the pitch and out dribble each other. It would be fantastic. I, I know yeah, Mike, you mentioned uh, you mentioned uh, Leo Campagna, but mm-hmm. another guy I want to highlight for you guys out there is uh Farias, Fabino yeah. Farias. Yeah. I when I say baller, like this guy is so so Ooh. good. Uh, I think, mm-hmm. um, aside from Messi, I, I think he's my favorite player in MLS to watch. Wow, you heard he's it here t- forced. 21 years old. Uh, they just bought him for, I think, $5 million out of Argentina. They made him an under-22 initiative signing. So I just want to highlight that. When you're looking at quality of under-22 initiative signings, this is someone that you could you could have on your team if you get this right. It's a rock mm-hmm. roster mechanism, and in my opinion, this guy is this guy's DP quality in Major League Soccer. Wow! And I think wow. if he wants to, if his ambition is to go back overseas, go to Europe, I think Miami is going to get at least double for him in a couple of years. Um, this guy is is the real deal. Is there still time to get your messy shirt? change to one of his shirts instead <laughs> and then no we'll have an no i wouldn't i wouldn't do that i would not do another <laughs> team's jersey unless it was Lionel messi and because of my love for major league soccer for major league but soccer. Absolutely. you know thankfully i'm not in that crisis dilemma of which jersey am i gonna wear because mm-hmm. messi hasn't arrived as yet guys so yeah. mls store if you're watching yeah, yeah. Game, man? Well, you know what they're doing? They're they're putting his name on kits that he never <laughs> wore from the first from the first few Miami years that they've got dead stock of, and just selling them to idiots at the at the stadium. Anybody that wants a messy kit, that's fantastic. Yeah. It's absolutely fantastic. You, 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 you great love way to get to a dead stock. Get, great way yeah. to get rid yeah. of dead stock. Um, all mm-hmm. right. So speaking we're, of we're dead not... stock, the uh, the Harlequin kit is forty percent off. If anybody wants that monstrosity, I will so I will pay get? twenty dollars for it. The no, black okay. and white Harlequin, the oh, city sorry, kit. the Awake it, yeah, the Awake it. Oh, the Awake yeah. it, forty yeah, percent off. Getting a new yeah. one next year. Yeah, no, it was forty percent off yeah. at uh, at this game. I will I will pay a, a crisp twenty dollar bill for it, but that is as high as I will go. Are you listening? Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> All right, guys, let, let's jump into the debate that seemed to be much bigger than actually the game we played on Saturday. Uh, I've had a mm. roster roster uh, freeze deadline was on Friday this past Friday. Um, lots of opinions. Um, oh, I've been saving Richard's comments since the beginning. Know. 
Well, yeah, he's we know. Keep wondering. Uh, well, we know because he's not, uh, at least not right now. Uh, Sebastian Jovinko uh, could have been signed um, before Friday, and, and a lot of thought was that he would be, um, as he's been training uh, alone at the training facilities and then with the team for the last week and a half or so, about two weeks. Um, but uh, Friday came and went, and no signing. So Sebastian Jovinko uh, remains a free agent, though I believe is still training with Toronto FC um, this week. My favorite so, tweet guys, of the week. That, yeah. Mm. I want to just open but it to the you one, guys. Like, go ahead. Go ahead, Jeff. Did you all read the tweet where, I can't remember what it was, but he said, I think TFC actually sold Seba a gym membership instead. I thought that tweet was delicious. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, he's got, um, a, he's got a nice little gym. What do you guys think? Are, are you for two, or against two this? Yeah. Two things. Mikey, I got a question for you. Mikey Singh. Um, we all know GAM expires. You have a certain measure of 2023 GAM that does not, if you don't spend it, it does not uh, carry over like your cell phone minutes into 2024, correct? Yes? Correct. No? Your 2023 okay. GAM, yes, correct. Uh, in your esteemed opinion, in your, uh, in your uh, educated opinion, does TFC have any GAM left or can is it all been spent at this point of the 2023 specific GAM? They don't have much, but they okay. had room to bring in uh, Javinko based on what he was asking. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, last question, because it's been bandied about, and I don't. If you don't, don't answer if you if you don't want to. But was the sticking issue that Seba and his camp wanted twenty twenty four rolled in to twenty twenty three, or is that too simple uh, of a narrative? So I heard. I heard that he did want twenty twenty four as well, but I don't think that was the the sticking point i think it's a culmination of all those all of those factors because if they were going to give him 2024 as well they would have need to see what he can do in 2023 and just uh, he's just not quite at that point yet so you know i I do could they have signed him to just a contract for 2023 perhaps perhaps they could have got that done but as terry dunfield kind of illustrated after the game or sorry before the game when asked about Seba, I mean, it's going to take him a couple of weeks to get up to the point where he's game ready. Okay. And, you know, they see this stuff in training, you know, they're really easing him along. And this is a guy who hasn't played competitive football in two years. And even then it wasn't like he was playing consistently because he's battling mm-hmm. a bunch of injuries and whatnot. Um, so they see what he's doing in training. So he's not quite the level of fitness wise probably not up to speed when it comes to his touch coming up to speed when it comes to reading the game at the pace that he's used to reading the game. So a lot of, a lot of different things, obviously. Now, could they have signed him, had him ready for October 1st, let's say. Sure. You know, maybe roll him out for the last game of the season. But at that point, like, roll, roll him what out. Are we doing? Like, literally, like, yeah. that's what you're doing at that point. What, what are, mm-hmm. what, what, what's the point out of that? Um, so I think the way that Terry Dunfield kind of illustrated is, you know, Sebastian Javanko has a legacy here in Toronto that is unmatched, unparalleled when it comes to what he was as a player on the field. He's the best player in club history. Why would you want to not name Victor rush, rush anything, um, rush him back in order to just have him, you know, on the field for one time. So throughout this whole process, I think the plan was always to see where he was at and he just 
simply wasn't like quite at the level. Now you leave the door open though, because you're still not sure of exactly what Sebastian Javinko quite is yet. You know, I'm sure they've seen some glimpses of him being, you know, a guy. We'll say he's a guy <laughs> for now. He's not. He's not the guy anymore. But he's a guy on the on the team that could mm-hmm. potentially be a piece off the bench. Could potentially be a good positive presence now in the locker room. Positive presence around the training grounds. Just positive presence around the club. Like he could. He could be that. And Sebastian Javinko is well aware of the position that he's in as well. In this point in his career, like he's what thirty seven years old. He knows he hasn't played in two years. When I spoke to him in the off season. He said he was perfectly okay with just playing like 15 minutes a game. He's He understands. He's well aware of his situation. So if over these next couple of weeks when John Herman comes in, he evaluates Seba, Seba gets invited or does enough to get invited to preseason training camp, does enough then to earn a contract, I'm okay with that because – you know what? He's gone through lots of pairs of eyes at that point. Has checked all the boxes they need to be checked, and he's going to come back and be a player, kind of like how Victor Vasquez is right now for Toronto FC, a guy who, while you know, can still have quality moments, he's he's a locker room guy at this point in his career. And so I'm um, four months. Yeah, yeah, but you know, season before he played a bunch of minutes. Season before that, he played a bunch of minutes. So. I think that's more so four months unlucky. Am I expecting him to be available every game? Absolutely not. Am I expecting him to be, be available for half the season? Yeah, I think that's fair. Okay, fair enough. I have to. I'm gonna. I'm, okay, so my point on Sebastian Javinko is not going to be on the pitch, right? Like it's 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 not the footballing aspect. He's a great footballer. We all know that. He, you know, he can he can get fit enough to be a contributing member of this team. That I I don't think that's the question. Uh, now a consistent contributor, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I'm talking about from a fan perspective, and uh, and I think this is something that has been brought out a lot. Why don't you bring him out for the fans? It's been a terrible year. Why not just bring him out? The fans get their member berries. You know, everybody feels great, and then he rides off into the sunset or something of that nature and Mm -hmm. and here's the thing about bringing legends back to to teams um yeah yeah. well very very good point from andre but uh, you know i'll also say that there's a there's a thing about nostalgia that i think we need to be careful at at this club andre actually brought up a part of that there with josie but I, i will use seba specifically um in this case and I'll actually bring in another Toronto sports legend where we tried this with and didn't work out, and it's Doug Gilmore. Okay, Leafs fans, you'll know. Um, That's an bring, exception. It, it, exception, yes, <laughs> but, I, but I, I'm using it as an illustrative point, okay? You can bring back a legend to a team, but nine times out of ten, it doesn't go well. Now, Doug Gilmore, of course, gets on the ice for 15 seconds and blew out his knees. Blew out his knees, and that was it, right? Mm-hmm. And and I'm not saying that will happen to Seba, but if it did, like, is that really how you want him to go? Not fit, coming in, not fully match fit, and then something happening to him. I'm not saying a blown knee, but like he just goes out with a hamstring. Like, is that really how you want to see Seba go out? Like, yes, I get it's meaningless. Um, in terms of the, the the games being played, you're not playing for playoffs or anything like that. But that's not how you want a legend to go out at this club. 
right? And and look, if it takes some time, and you you're right, Mike. If he goes through all the eyes and all the checks, and and John Herdman sees a use for him in this squad next year, and you sign him to a minimum deal or something like that, it's going to be that or very close to that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you sign him to that, and he becomes a contributor, and that's how he goes out as a TFC player. Right. I'm fine with that. I, I've come around on that. I was completely anti seven before. Fine. Okay. I'm fine with that. But I think this whole like sign him for seven games and you know let the fans have their moment. Like I understand that, but I also think just it wouldn't know, be the moment that they think it no, was. No, no, it wouldn't be. And I think I if get you that. let him get him fully fit in the offseason, let him work out, let him get ready, <sighs> and then he comes on in March next year or April when we have a home game, then then I think it, it means a little bit more. Jeff, I, I know you got a lot to say, so go ahead. I have a lot to say about this. I just, I think it's ridiculous. This was the perfect, he's not, I mean, you know, you see comments, well, of course, he's better than everybody we've got. Yeah, no, if it not. was 2015. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly, he exactly. Yeah. Of course he isn't. So let's just like, you know, you're saying, do you want it to end that way for Seba? Well, there's a very good chance it will. So let's do it without consequence. Let's do it without distracting from a rebuild that's going to suck in 2024 this was the perfect time to do it you know and i would argue that even with the, he's not ready for two three weeks there's a disconnect between what the club was doing and what we thought they were doing and what and everybody had an opinion and they were almost two polar opposites is he coming back for the dog and pony show to get the ceremony and wear the jersey and the fireworks and then wheel him off as you so eloquently put or is he coming back to be competitive when he hasn't played competitively in two years and forgive me, but I mean, there's been enough time to value this guy. Right. And, and he hasn't made the grade. So what's to suggest he's going to later, you know, once the moon aligns, like, and he's even older, he's going to be better for the 15 minutes here and there. This was perfect. Beyond that, they had to do it because they put it out into the universe and they didn't. And it's just another reason for people to be pissed now. So instead of the member berries for right or wrong, now you've got a fan base that's even angrier because of some more BS. <laughs> right? I don't know yeah, how teased. many are that angry about it. Because they you got yeah. they got teased. I mean, you there's a lot of people that are super, super duper angry about this. And see it as another, yet another example of the ineptitude of the front office, of the disconnect between the front office and the fans, of all of the greatest hits. Everybody's playing the hits. And you can't argue with that. I mean, what were they thinking? It, like, you know, to let it for this club is so, so obsessed with controlling their own narrative is what I like to say. And then we're always talking about this garbage where it's just a free for all out there. It's the wild, wild west. And, and, you know, so I can't even say anymore that they're obsessed with controlling their own narrative because this chaos is happening. But when you open Pandora's box, you don't get to close it. And when you close it, there are consequences. Like you tease this fan base. And I think that the answer wasn't satisfactory. Bring them out. Like, I bring him out for the one you know, game and you're done. That's all this was ever going to be. He's not the answer. You know, he, the more game, like he's not a 2024 player for myriad reasons. Most of all, the fact that he's 37 years old, he's not messy. It's not going to get any better. He's not playing 
15 minutes here and there and everywhere towards our 20, 2024 campaign. He's non-essential. This was about retiring as a red. So it should have happened. It should have well, happened. Jeff, whether it was one game the or same, seven. But Jeff, these are the same thing I said about Victor mm-hmm. Vasquez. Mm-hmm. And Victor Vasquez is not. And I, I tuned it out now. because I, I don't care. No, but that's <laughs> what I'm saying, right? Like 37-year-old, 36, 37-year-old. Mm-hmm. Yes, okay. He played a lot more 100%. minutes than, than Sebastian Jovinko the season before. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But that's that's what I mean, right? And this is what I mean when I said earlier about how we get stuck in 2017 a little too much. I right? see your point, but I, but I counter how good did this team look for VV's 10-minute cameo at the end of that woeful game? He immediately added a spark to the team. He immediately upped the intelligence of that team by levels, like exponentially, you know? So, yeah, obviously not the best. But every team needs a Benoit Sheru. And if it's between La Masia boy and, and Sebastian Giovinco for that role next year, using assets that should be used for a rebuild, not, a, not member berries, once again, my choice is VV. That's, 10 that's, out of 10 that's, times. that's my thing though it's not really assets like you're giving up one roster spot and a spot of 30 where an international team, roster season, spot the season no not even because you have the extra three because you're a canadian team and sebastian are we Jamaica talking about this or next year 2024 we're talking about 2024 both. okay because he would qualify as like that one of those additional three that t or tfc teams get or canadian teams get sorry and tfc have only used Mm -hmm. one of those slots so um next year they're gonna have more players that are eligible so next year maybe but then you're okay you could have 10 internationals as opposed to seven and i'm not sure this team actually gets to 10 internationals um come the end of it but just last thing for me for on the seba thing which is why i I, the frustration i think from fans and the desire to see him back with Toronto FC, I think a lot of it stems from kind of what you were touching on there, Mike. Um, and it's about the proper way to send off club legends. Yeah. And we know kind of what went down in, in, at the end of uh, 2018 there and whether or not you want to blame the club, whether or not you want to blame Sebastian Javinko, wherever you want to put the blame on that front. Andrea Diamico. On whatever <laughs> it is. Th- the exit was messy, right? Yeah. And I knew he came back and yeah, sure. Fans applauded him while he was in the stands. He got that little moment, but still it's not, especially when a guy still has some left to give. And at that point for sure in his career, he had a lot left to give. I think even when he just finished from, uh, from Saudi there, I still think he had some left in the tank to give. maybe not DP Mm -hmm. level, but he had, he had something left in the tank there. Um, So when you're not giving someone that proper exit, uh, they're, always is going to be a burning desire from the fan base, especially when your club goes through rough times to, you know, want to rekindle some of that, whether or not, you know, it's some people believe he can still be that player, whether or not it's just because you want some closure on the situation. But I think that's where a lot of the desire kind of stems from. Now, will fans be happy, content with Sebastian Javanko coming back and playing 10 minutes every other game? Will Sebastian Javinko be happy with Sebastian Javinko coming back playing 10 minutes every other game? Or are we are we all or us here, are we underestimating Sebastian Javinko in the fact that maybe he can refine a little bit of form be better than what we're guessing that he'll be? Because the truth is, you know, I've seen glimpses of him in training. 
but no one else aside from Toronto FC have seen what Sebastian Javanko can actually do over these mm-hmm. last two seasons. So for us to actually evaluate it, we're just speculating here. I mean, it's yeah. what we do on the show sure anyways, thing. but yeah. we're just speculating here. So there's no one, no one better, I guess, to judge that than Toronto FC at this point. Now, do we just, do we, do we trust them to evaluate player talent? <laughs> that's yeah, a different conversation but yeah yeah 100 we'll yeah, see yeah. we'll see well let's transition we've given our thoughts you gave your thoughts in the burning question so we'll transition to that and we'll get some of what you were thinking in this week's burning question let's the burning questions plural, because we asked two this week, presented by Nextdoor. Nextdoor is the official community app of Toronto FC. It also give, It's also where you connect with the people and local businesses in your neighborhood. Download Nextdoor to find soccer fans in your neighborhood, like on the Toronto FC fan group uh, that we've been posting and interacting with all season. You can download Nextdoor at the App Store or on nextdoor.ca. And this week, it was about Sebastian Javinko. The question we asked uh, was a little bit twofold. One, how did you feel about Toronto FC's decision not to sign Sebastian Javinko? And should Toronto FC sign Sebastian Javinko for the 2024 season? A couple of responses here. Uh, a couple of the first two from our next door uh, Toronto FC fan group. Uh, this one from Heather th- saying, I think he should. he could be a positive addition to the team, especially for next season. I'm sure we all know the rumor that he wants to retire as a TFC player. So I think this would be a positive for our youngsters to have um, uh, an advantage to learn from a great player. He isn't commanding, uh, especially if he isn't commanding the giant pay that he wanted before. So that's from Heather. Uh, And then from Adam, uh, we get uh, a bit of a shoulder shrug, a bit indifferent. Um, It would have been nice to see him play again at BMO, but if he's not ready, then he's not ready. I don't see the harm in signing him until the end of the season, though. So not sure why they didn't just do that unless he was uh, playing hardball with his contract. Um, which mm-hmm. we just heard he wasn't. Uh, clearly, he's fine to be paid league minimum to continue and retire as a Toronto FC I think player. Term term was the, the yeah, one term, thing that yeah. was in question whether or not he wanted yeah. a a guarantee that's, in twenty twenty four. Fair yeah, enough. It's, uh, it's the going consensus. Yeah, yeah. And then two comments here from Twitter. Just one from Ed to saying I'm angry, but I'm also realistic. We should not even be dreaming of having a thirty seven year old coming to rescue our team which is has one of the highest payrolls in the league. TFC management have had three years to build a pipeline of players and a way of playing that works. That's a, that's I, a point of view. I Sorry, hate that ahead. sentiment though. Like it's okay. anybody who's thinking that Sebastian Javanko's the solution or is an answer or is anything that's going to move the needle at all for this team. You're out to lunch. Like you're on yeah, a abandon, right abandon all you hope. Yeah. 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 The only way Sebastian Javanko cracks this team is if he's a like a Benoit Sheru. If he's yep. even even less so of a Benoit Sheru, a Victor Vasquez this year. That type mm-hmm. of player where you're you're only gonna see him once in a while. So I think we need to lower our expectations when it comes to just discussing what exactly he he would do if he does end up joining Toronto. But see that to me, again, that's the thing about legend and bringing legends back when they're past their prime is that people can't get the, the idea of, Hey, the last time we saw him, he was great. 
and now he's, yeah. he's not the same guy. And, and now we're that's... seeing this team in front of us. They have to be better than anyone else on this team. Well, exactly, mm-hmm. right? So that that's that's the thing that people get stuck in. Um, and that's kind of what it has driven some of the comments, to be perfectly honest, I, in my yeah. opinion. Great, uh, but Kimball Rice just majority, uh, yeah. writes in here just to end. Uh, I'm torn. I love to see TFC give Seba his chance to retire in a TFC kit. I think he's going to get it. Um, it's also incredibly valuable to have stable veterans on the roster to help guide and mentor young players. I don't know if Seba has learned this yet. If he has, then 100% sign him. If he hasn't, then don't. Um, and look, I, I think that speaks to what we've all kind of said. Like, it's great to have him on the roster, could help the young players, but he also has to be a contributor, right? It can't just be a locker room guy, or he just might as well be a coach, right? Like, he's got to be mm-hmm. able to contribute at some level in this team. Again, to your point, mm-hmm. Mike, maybe not every day, and maybe not at 2015, 16, 17 levels, but he's got to be able mm-hmm. to contribute at some level. Yeah, and look, this this roster was stripped bare to its bones at times during this season because of just how depleted they were due yep. to international call-ups, how depleted they were due to injuries. So I don't want to undermine how valuable, you know, deep roster spots on this team could be. That said, if if like like I said, if he goes through all their tests, checks all the boxes, and they see that he could be a somewhat of a contributor to Toronto FC next season, then I'm all for it. I think they're going they want to see that too. So if they if T- if Sebastian Javanko signs for Toronto FC in 2024, it'll be because they believe that he can contribute to the team in some way. Just again, it won't be in the way that I think a lot of people are expecting. Absolutely. Mm. Well said. We... Very well said. Yep. Any last words? <laughs> I mean, that's a loaded question. No, I'm good. I'm good. I, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I said, I said my piece. Absolutely, it's a story that never dies. Fair mm-hmm. enough. Yeah, this that literally will not die. I will um, never stop talking until I stop drawing breath. So I'll have no yeah. last words. We'll just okay. Before, I, you, last thing I'll say. On. Go ahead. Go last ahead. thing I'll say is 2024 is the last chance that we get to see. Yeah. Sebastian Javanko, and I think that's his last audition. If it doesn't work out at the start of 2024, then that's the last time we'll see. And I think that that would mean, based on what he's told me, he would only play for Toronto FC again. Um, that would mean the end of his career here. So, but see, uh, let's see how this situation unfolds. I think, if okay. anything, it's only a couple more months. Okay, so then yep. I will put it out to the two of you. Does he does he sign a contract in 2024 with TFC? What do you think, oh. Jeff? I hate it. I think so. And I think it's it's horrible because at this point, you know, this team needs to think about the full rebuild that we've been dancing around and it should be brutal. It should have happened now. Um, it's going to happen later, which speaks volumes to it's already gone. It's already gone. Pete Tong, the rebuild, because there's still I, and, you know, please be let me be wrong. Let Mike Singh be right. And it's good to have that kind of depth. You know, it's good to have that veteran depth, 15 minutes based on game states at certain points. Donezo. I just, I, I don't like what it says um, about about the mindset of this team going into such an important uh, 2024 campaign. I think this was the perfect time to get to get it over and done with, and we didn't do it. 
And now we're starting 2024 looking in the rear view as opposed to the to the front view again, which is the absolute wrong way to be doing things. Mike, I'm going to I'm going to say no. I'm going to say they, okay. they're not going to end up signing him. I think John Herman coming in is going to want to do things um, differently than maybe the guy like Terry Dunfield would have wanted to do something this season. I think John Herman has a bit of a bigger lens uh, mm-hmm. when it comes to the long-term vision of Toronto FC. And uh, with a new coach coming in, I think he's going to want to really establish himself and make his own mark here. And I, I, I don't know. I, I just, I, based on the players that he's also selected and the way that he's played guys on the national team, I just don't see it really a role also for Sebastian Javinko. I mean, how often mm. does John Herman play with a 10 on the national team? It's not necessarily that often. Basically, and, it was Junior Hoylet, really. If yeah. Junior Hoylet yeah, sometimes he plays, floats in as a 10, sometimes as a winger. Sometimes yeah. Azorio, too. Yeah. Um, I guess, I mean, what's Sebastian Javinko's position? We kind of really didn't have one his first go around second here in Toronto. So they had they had to make up like kind of the second striker around him. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'm not sure I can see that working out once again this time. So, and for I, I'm going to predict. Herdman no, does we'll like see. the three five two though. He does. I just don't think Seb has got the speed to play that position in a three five two. So that's not have pace for it anymore. Yeah, yeah he Fair would enough. be I he think... would be a Pirlo kind of kind of guy deep 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 line playmaker which we've never really played or he'd be like uh what we hope vv does like vision like, and passing the thing is 10. he's not he's not defending well, he's not like, yeah. he's not and defending. and sebas <laughs> and sebas skill set doesn't really suit pinging passes from the middle that's not really like he was much more of an interplay guy you know with good runs and and off the ball movement and stuff like that so you're right i mean he, his his game is one that relies a lot on on pace and athleticism a lot more than vv where you can he can just stand yeah, you know still player. and just ping passes right like so yeah yeah vv forever I, yeah <laughs> no, I, I think they signed him I'm not sure this is fully going to be Herdman or Jason Hernandez's full choice. I mean, you still have a club president who, you know, still will have a say in, in how some plays get signed. Now, some of that is going to be diluted by the fact that, you know, he is putting more pieces in place for those footballing decisions to be made. Your but, internet's not last until the end credits, I'm telling you. But, yeah, like, I, I think in the end of the day, I think at the end of the day, I think he signs. So um, that that's kind of where I think it ends up. That's two going. yes, one no. We'll uh, we'll yeah. revisit that in in, in twenty twenty four. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we will see. All right. Thank you for listening to another episode of Toronto Till I Die. The TTID community is growing. Uh, tell them how much you like us. Leave a review um, if you're on YouTube watching us right now. Give us a big old thumbs up. Uh, and subscribe if you're on apple uh, podcast give us a review uh and five stars if you're on uh spotify just drop us a few stars and uh and uh, if you're so inclined uh if i'm breaking up i completely understand um so i might look a little jerky right now but for jeffrey i'm feeling the vibes yeah (laughs) if i'm for jeffrey Nesker and michael singh i'm mike newell we'll see you all next week cheers everybody and wait and wait And baby, I'm TFC till I die.